Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Good morning. I'm Rashad Salamat. And I'm Doug Krisner. Here are the stories we're following today. Let's get back to that uh, uh, inflation report here, because underlying U.S. CPI ran at a faster than expected monthly clip in August. And uh, according to, of course, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics here, um, now this does potentially leave the door open for additional interest rate increases from the Federal Reserve. This is what uh, former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers made of it all. My best guess is that inflation is going to be a little strong and that they're going to need to move again sometime uh, in this cycle. I think it's conceivable. It's not what I predict, uh, but it's certainly possible that they'll have to move more than once. And the market, I think, is over discounting that possibility. That is Larry Summers saying also that U.S. stocks may be priced a bit for perf- um, perfection. Summers thinking that the American economy has a very narrow window in which to achieve a soft landing. We are hearing uh, that SoftBank-owned Arm Holdings is going to price its initial public offering at the top end of its marketed range. Arm is selling American depository shares. They are priced at $51 each. The chip designer had marketed about 95.5 million shares in a range of between 47 to $51. Now at the IPO price of 51, Arm now valued at $54.5 billion. That's according to calculations from Bloomberg News. By the way, this is going to be the largest IPO of the year, and it's being led by Barclays along with Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan Chase, and Mizuho Financial. Arm shares are set to begin trading on Thursday. This would be on the NASDAQ market under the ticker symbol ARM. Rashad. All right, we have uh, Citigroup saying it's preparing for a wave of job cuts. This comes as the chief executive, Jane Fraser, restructures the uh, Wall Street giant in an effort to reverse a years-long slump in stock prices. Fraser addressed investors at the Barclays Financial Services Conference. Today's announcement is indeed about putting that next step, big next step in place and initiating it, which is to not only put the organization model that best fits our strategy in place, it's also about running the bank differently and about driving clearer accountability for doing so. That is uh, Jane Fraser. Citigroup says it will operate five main businesses and the bank will eliminate the three regional chiefs who oversee operations in around about 160 countries around the world. City does not have firm targets for how many employees will be affected. Well, more than 20 tech and civil society leaders appeared in a closed-door Senate meeting today. The aim here to shape how artificial intelligence is being regulated. Now, this meeting was organized by Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. It's part of his broader effort to get the Senate up to speed on this rapidly involving technology. On hand 
was the CEO of Tesla, Elon Musk. He told reporters that the U.S. needs to be proactive when it comes to AI. I think the probability of there being some sort of AI regulatory agency that stands on its own, similar to the FAA or FCC, is likely at some point. Now, the, the, the reason that I've been such an advocate for uh, AI safety in advance of sort of anything terrible happening is that I think the consequences of AI going wrong are, are severe. That is uh, Elon Musk. He went on to say that senators should focus their concerns on what Musk called deeper AI. That's a type of artificial intelligence that essentially teaches computers to process data in a way that imitates the human brain. Now, Ed Baxter will have a little more on today's Capitol Hill meeting throughout the program. Rish. Right, uh, going to China now with uh, Beijing concerns about security problems with Apple's iPhone appearing to be causing a confusion. Bloomberg's Yvonne Mann has more. Beijing both pushed back on reports about iPhone restrictions, but also raised concerns about security problems with the device. The remarks left U.S. investors unsure about Apple's status in China, just as a new iPhone is launching. China is both the company's production base and its biggest international market. We reported earlier that China had plans to expand a ban on the use of iPhones among some state-backed agencies and companies. If Beijing goes ahead with an iPhone ban, it will be an unprecedented blockade on China's plans to limit foreign technology use in a sensitive environment. In Hong Kong, I'm Yvonne Mann, Bloomberg Radio. We go to Europe next, where the European Union is launching an investigation into Chinese subsidies for electric vehicles. European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen said global markets are essentially flooded with cheap Chinese cars. And their price is kept artificially low by huge state subsidies. This is distorting our market. And as we do not accept this distortion from the inside in our market... We do not accept this from the outside. That is EC President Ursula von der Leyen. Now, the EU's probe is being opened despite concerns about retaliation from China, and it's a sign of growing alarm over the ability of European manufacturers to compete with China's auto industry. So we have uh, Google today reportedly laying off hundreds of its global recruiting team. Now, this according to the New York Times, which says that Google has sought to trim expenses as a way of paying for investments in artificial intelligence. At one point, Google's recruiting group had more than 3,000 employees. It's already been hit hard by layoffs this year. Today, if you're wondering, Class A shares in Alphabet, the parent of Google, up about 1%. Global News is next. There he is, the potential of an auto industry worker strike at midnight tomorrow. Let's get to Ed Baxter for Global News, Eddie. Yeah, we're getting uh, mixed messages, Douglas. You're right. It looks as if the strike may be targeted, a small number of factories. UA President Sean Fain finishing a news conference saying that they're still seeking good-sized pay hikes. We're making progress at each of the three negotiating tables. We're still very far apart on our key priorities, from job security to ending tiers, from cost of living allowance to wage increases. We do not yet have offers on the table that reflect the sacrifice and contributions our members have made to these companies. So Fain says new tactics. To win, we're likely going to have to take action. And just as we have approached our negotiations differently than we have in the past, 
we are preparing to strike these companies in a way they've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Fain says the plans for strike will be publicly announced tomorrow night if an agreement is not made in the interim. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says he will use subpoena power granted by his actions of opening an impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden. We don't have any of the credit card statements from all the credit cards from this um, shell companies. We don't have the president's bank statements. We don't have Hunter Biden's bank statements. Providing information like that would answer the question. And asks, what we've learned in the last couple of weeks, wouldn't you want to know the answer to? Yeah, McCarthy says uh, he will get them. As North Korea leader Kim Jong-un meets with President, uh, president Vladimir Putin regarding munition transfers, the U.S. is saying it is ready to slap more sanctions on both. State Department spokesman Matthew Miller. When you see what looks to be increased cooperation and probably military transfers, as we've said for some time, we have reason to believe they were uh, going to discuss military transfers. Um, That is quite troubling and would potentially be in violation of multiple U.N. Security Council resolutions. Yeah, Miller says there are already sanctions in place. These would be additional. And just following up on our coverage on AI and the summit today in D.C., trying to keep up with the AI revolution. Well, Senate meeting today with tech leaders. Meta's Mark Zuckerberg, X's Elon Musk, former Microsoft CEO Bill Gates, OpenAI Chat GPT CEO Sam Altman, among others. Democratic leader and political reaction Richard Blumenthal says that there are actually some really good information coming out. We're on the cusp of a new industrial revolution with enormous promise but a panoply of perils and what has impressed me most dramatically today is that there is general acceptance of the need for some kind of regulation to achieve the promise but avoid the risks and dangers. Yeah, but not all the senators listening to the group of tech CEOs regarding AI today are happy. Senator Elizabeth Warren on Bloomberg. They're sitting at a big round table all by themselves. All of the senators are to sit there and ask no questions. That's the setup. By the way, we're told that Musk and Zuckerberg sat at opposite ends of a long table. Uh, Yeah, there was no cage there. Global News, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter, and this is Bloomberg. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. 
Now you can get the latest news whenever you want it with Bloomberg News Now. It's the top stories from our global team of reporters at the click of a button. Get Bloomberg News Now and the Bloomberg Business app or at Bloomberg.com or anywhere you get your podcast. Daybreak Asia and our guest is Christina Hooper. She is the Chief Global Market Strategist at Invesco, joining us here in New York in the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio. Nice of you to stop by. It's good seeing you. Thanks so much. Um, how did you kind of read what we learned today with the CPI print? I'm looking at the way in which the market responded. It really did little to kind of alter the expectation. It would seem that the Fed is going to remain on hold next week. Would you agree with that? I definitely agree with that, but with one wrinkle. So I'll say the market was bracing itself for a higher headline CPI print because of, of oil prices. But, uh, and, and so I think it was rather comfortable. We had um, a core a touch higher than anticipated, but certainly within a range of what I think is comfortable. And I've said uh, that this is very much a disinflationary narrative, but not every data point is going to be perfect and, and fit in with that narrative perfectly. The one fly in the ointment could be Michigan inflation expectations on Friday. Mm -hmm. Now, if we go back to June of 2022, uh, recall the Fed had been messaging in advance of its meeting that it would hike rates 50 basis points. And then we got a one-two punch. We got an inflation print and we got Michigan inflation expectations that were higher. Jay Powell even pointed to those two data points as the reason the Fed uh, erred on the side of actually doing 75 basis points at that meeting. And so I think that if we were to get some cause for concern in Michigan inflation expectations, because we know that consumer inflation expectations are so important to a number of central banks, including the Fed, then that might tip the scales. But I think it's highly unlikely. Uh, my base case is that the Fed sits on its hands next week. So the other thing that I have to ask about in terms of uh, Fed policy, the degree to which they may be a little concerned about the dollar, um, not that it needs to weaken from here. If anything, I think that they would want to keep the dollar strong as a way of uh, preventing the economy from importing inflation when you consider what oil prices have been doing lately. I mean, Brent now is just under 92. We've got WTI just under $89 a barrel. And to the point we were kind of alluding to a moment ago, Energy seems to be the greatest risk right now in measuring where inflation may end up. Do you think the Fed is, even though they may remain on hold, let's say for the foreseeable future, they've got to talk tough uh, largely to keep the dollar firm? I don't know if the Fed is that concerned. Just because it takes so long for higher energy prices to make its way into core inflation, which is really what the Fed is laser focused on. So I'm not sure that the Fed is is too worried about the U.S. dollar. I think the Fed is going to come to the end of its rate hike cycle when it feels comfortable with that. Until then, though, we're going to hear hawkish Fed speak. Uh, I think next week, if the Fed chooses to sit on its hands, it will still sound hawkish. It will reserve that right to hike rates in the future. And that will really stop a lot of what uh, could be a weakening of, of the U.S. dollar. So it'll take time before, we, before that really starts. I think it will take uh, until markets are convinced definitively that the Fed has ended its rate hike cycle. So, Christina, you know, we have, of course, this elevated oil price. This takes time to actually feed in to the inflation numbers, especially where they are now. Uh, but also, let's not forget that uh, later on, 
uh, Thursday anyway, we've got uh, another deluge of data, retail sales, PPI, initial jobless claims as well. You know, the data's endless and it all just seems to just muddy the waters. Well, it certainly muddies the waters, but we'll, we're seeing a clear picture when we step back, which is that the disinflationary trend is very much underway and the U.S. economy is cooling. And those really are the two key takeaways for the Fed. And that's why I think the Fed is going to sit on its hands in September and why I think it's it's unlikely the Fed hikes rates again this cycle. So when you look at the Treasury curve right now, yes, we are still inverted. Does that necessarily, I mean, it's been stubborn and it's kind of implication here that we're looking at a recession. Is that your bet now, let's say mid next year, that we're definitely going to see some contraction in a meaningful way? I don't think so. My view is that we're going to see a bumpy landing. And by that, I mean, I, 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 let me take a step back and say, you know, the, there's this school of thought believes that believes we're going to get a soft landing. We're even hearing it from Janet Yellen. And uh, I understand the rationale behind it. But I would say that a soft landing assumes there's very little damage. And I think we will see some significant damage before uh, um, we see a recovery. Uh, we've seen a you know, significant tightening in credit conditions. Things like that don't happen without some kind of damage to the economy. I think we'll avoid a recession, but we'll certainly feel some pain. Uh, you know, just thinking about uh, that, and you know, when does actually ultimately we, we see uh, the whole bond market uh, start to price in perhaps uh, uh, beyond what we're looking at at the moment in terms of the uh, the, uh, uh, the the longer end and and start to actually properly re well I suppose uninverting as it were. Well, I, I think that could start to happen soon. Um, we've seen a real stubborn uh, pattern thus far, but but that could certainly start to happen soon. I, I think the, the real issue, though, is that we do have a significantly long lag, typically, between mo when monetary policy is enacted and when it shows up in the economy. And so long as we have... Uh, you know, a fair level of policy uncertainty about when the Fed is going to hike rates, we are unlikely to see a lot of movement. I think as we get closer to greater clarity, uh, that's when we could see an, an unwind begin. Um, but I, I do believe both the bond uh, and the stock market will start to discount a recovery. I think that'll, that will begin. Uh, the discounting process should happen soon, and I think we'll actually start to see a recovery in the back half of 24. Christina, I'd like to get your view on what's going on in China right now and the degree to which a weak economy there is really going to hold back global growth in a significant way for the foreseeable future. Is, th is that a fair statement? Well, I, I think you have to ask the question, what's come first, the chicken or the egg? Because if we look at the Chinese economy, um, yes, certainly there are headwinds because the economy didn't get the kind of fiscal stimulus we saw uh, given out in Western developed countries during the pandemic. So that has certainly held back the, the Chinese economy economy from a robust reopening. But if we look at the data, services is still fairly good. Where we've seen really the pain is manufacturing. And that really reflects 
the global slowdown that was caused by Western developed central banks. So the Chinese economy, in in at least some respects, is reflecting that global slowdown as opposed to contributing to it. Now, um, we could see going forward if we don't get the if China doesn't get the adequate policy stimulus it, it needs, mm-hmm. the targeted stimulus, then that could be problematic. Thus far, though, I've I've liked this slow drip, and oh. I think it could continue. Oh, we'll see about that. That's a fresh perspective. I've not heard that from anyone. Do you like this kind of slow rollout of stimulus? I'll take what I can get. All right. Christina, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, Christina Hooper there. She is the chief global market strategist at Invesco. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcast. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast-to-coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Doug Krisner. And I'm Rashad Salamat. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.